Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The biggest asset we have is our people. You know, from maybe from an outsider investor's perspective, it might be our client list or something. But from small business owners, you know, if something really bad happens and we get sued out of business, any number of things, if we've got the right team in place, we can rebuild. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, the show where today's business innovators share their firsthand insights and breakthrough ideas. In this episode, we're unlocking the power of the cold call with marketing maverick Robert Poole. With a track record of 40 million calls, Robert's going to dismantle the myths and teach us the tested strategies that still make the phone ring gold. Plus, we're exploring his profound shift from operator to owner that redefined his company after a life-altering moment. Get ready to dive into a story of resilience, the art of owner time, and the wisdom gleaned from West Point to boardroom. Stay with us. Your next business breakthrough might just be a conversation away. Hey, Robert, welcome to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. Tyler. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. Hey, Robert, I always love to start out with uh, learning a little bit about you both professionally and personally. So maybe you could tell us what you do professionally. And if there's something anecdotal that you can share with us personally, that would be awesome. Yes, absolutely. I uh, grew up in Southern California, and uh, so I was a Southern California kid and went off uh, to West Point, which is back in New York, kind of about 50 miles north of the city, and uh, had quite experience. It's the, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's the one of the uh, military academies, it's for the Army, and so then I was an Army op- officer afterwards, and and then uh, after a few years in the Army, I decided uh, I wanted, didn't want to make a career out of it, so I I moved out here to Arizona, so I've been out here in the Phoenix, Arizona area for 25 years, um, got into entrepreneurship, uh, started my first company about 23 years ago with a business partner, and uh, so we, we built it from nothing into a multi-million dollar company. During that time, of course, uh, you know, I was single when I first came out here, and then uh, eventually picked up a family along the way, um, <laughs> my uh, beautiful wife and uh, two children, and uh dog and six cats. So uh, wow. I don't have a ton of hobbies because I love business and that is my hobby. So uh, I, I won't bore you with any uh, trying to come up with anything like that, you know, so. No, I get it. Hey, I wanted to talk about let that West Point kind of jumps out at me. How would you say West Point kind of prepared you when you reflect on on your time there, prepare you for entrepreneurship? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's really interesting because you don't think that Typically, you know, an experience like that, you know, a military academy would be translate directly to business. And it's certainly different, but there were so many great lessons in, in that you go through at the time, you don't realize, you know, you just think, oh, Jesus, this is horrible. I mean, it wasn't a fun experience. We always used to say it's a great place to be from, not at. <laughs> but you realize later in life uh, how that really formed you. So uh, to give you an example, there's um, when you're a 
new cadet, you're you're kind of being hazed by the upper class cadets, and and the first summer you're not really allowed to answer any question. You only have four responses that call it. It's yes sir, no sir, no excuse sir, and sir, I do not understand. So they'll ask you the weather today and, you know, try to answer that question. But those four things, you know, it's to mess with your mind and, you know, all that. But the idea also was to uh, teach you accountability and teach you that no matter what the situation is, you have to take responsibility for it if you want to be a leader. And in business, that's so critical. And that's one of the things that has really helped me um, realize that, you know, I can look at a problem and say, geez, you know, it's the economy or, you know, it's this vendor that messed with us, this employee screwed up. All I can come up with all these excuses, but if I don't take ownership of that and realize, you know what, it starts with me. I need to take responsibility for it, accountability for it, because that puts us in a position of power and a position of power to deal with things that, you know, if we try to mentally pawn it off on somebody else, it doesn't work. So there's lessons like that that you pick up uh, in a military environment that that do translate, and it's really served me well in business. Uh, you know, if that's the, what you were asking. Yeah, no, that's great. Was there any point at West Point that you kind of doubt your ability to get through it? I mean, is it ever that hard, or is it? Oh my gosh! When you say you have four answers and they ask you the weather, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to check out right here. So you did at times. Does it, does it, oh yeah, no, yeah, it really? was a constant mental battle, you know, and. Uh, you find different ways to motivate yourself. And well, I'm going to mention it anyway, because I'll never listen to this podcast, but I've got a cousin who uh, about four years older than me. And he went to the Naval Academy in Annapolis. And unfortunately, because of some bad decisions, and everything, he, he got um, kicked out after his first year. And I just, I was, I saw that as an older, you know, somebody I idolized. And I thought, uh, and I saw kind of what happened to him and his family was big military. And so it was kind of a disgrace. And so to me, it was like extra motivation. <laughs> it was a, a um, one of those things where it's like, I, no matter what I get to do, I got to hang in there. And, you know, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. You know, the, there's guys that I went to school with that are just brilliant. You know, the year I went there, there were more Rhodes Scholars than there were for Harvard and Yale combined. And people don't usually think about it that way. But so I was uh, definitely uh, kicking and screaming and, and that kitty hanging on the, the ledge, you know, by my claws. Uh, but it's um, it's one of those things where you find motivation wherever you can find it. And, you, and sometimes it's about getting through the day. You know, I mean, we've all experienced that in business, you know, and it, when things just can't seem to like, you know, there's no hope at the end of the the tunnel. But you just if you put your one foot forward, you know, um, and you get through the day, sometimes that's all it takes. So, yeah. And I imagine after you get through it and you reflect back on it, it's just like a source of immense pride. Is that is that a fair assumption? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, certainly um, that's one of those things in, in life, you know, that people can't take away from you, you know, achievements that you make and that sort of thing. I did. I always say, though, that there's it's an odd thing, but I used to have nightmares about West Point about for some reason, it was the same recurring nightmare that of going back of I had to be back in time because when you go on leave and everything, you have to be back by a certain time to get in big trouble if you don't. And I had the same recurring dream for 20 years. And it wasn't until I went back from my 20th year reunion that for some reason, my my mind mentally thought, oh, I, I don't have to go back, you know, and I've never had that dream since. But the reason I bring it up is because I think it's, you know, it's like entrepreneurship and probably why I got into entrepreneurship is because the you know, that one of that, that freedom, so to speak, that um, not being tied down to and being under the thumb of somebody else, so to speak. And, you know, but as I've learned in recent years, freedom comes with a cost also, you know, we, 
yeah, entrepreneurs, we think we get into this business, you know, hey, because I don't want to have a boss and all that. But uh, sometimes it'll work out like just like that, you know, you know, so uh, it's been been quite an experience. Yeah, that's good stuff. So, Robert, where I'd like to switch gears now or shift gears is what I kind of can call the unexpected turn. And what I mean by that is you were running a business, you had a partner. And in 2017, unfortunately, your partner passed and it left you in a situation now where you were running the business by yourself. Could you kind of take me through first, what was your mindset all of a sudden losing your partner? And then two, what were, how did you deal with that challenge of now just being on your own? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's one of those situations in life, one of those inflection points, as, as you know, we talked about the before and after. And I uh, had a very good relationship, but most partnerships in business don't end well, um, statistically. I was very fortunate, and uh, my business partner for that time would have been for almost 20 years, and we were best friends like family, so it was a pretty traumatic event. Um, basically, I just went to work one day, and he didn't show up. I thought, oh, okay, not a big deal, and but I, I popped over to his house, and you know, he had had a heart attack the night before, and we had managed the company for many years where... He handled some of the client service stuff, and I pretty much did everything else. Um, we had like 10 employees at the time, I think, and but we were very intimately involved in the business. And suddenly, you know, of course, he's not there to do all the stuff he was doing. He was the public face of the company, you know, so I was suddenly I was thrust into this, you know, you can imagine the shock, of course, and, and losing somebody that close to you, but trying to suddenly become the public face of the company, suddenly run all these things when you, you know, when you have a business partner, sometimes I found that you mentally, it's kind of a crutch, if you will, because you think, well, if something bad happens, it's like, well, maybe he should have done X, Y, Z, you know, you're, you know, it's a, it's a mental crutch uh, that there's somebody else involved, but it's a whole different deal when it's the buck stops with you. And so it was an overnight shock to me. And, you know, of course it took a few months, you know, of me just trying to figure out, you know, how do I even, what do I do? Do I sell the business? Do I let it fold? Do I, you know, sell off the assets? What, you know, and um, I actually, uh, I took a, a self-imposed retreat. I flew to Lake Tahoe in California and just spent a weekend sort of myself trying to figure out, okay, what do I do now? And, you know, I decided that, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take this company and his honor, I'm going to take it in the right direction. I'm going to try to make this even better than we were before. And, you know, it, it was a, you know, of course, a bad experience. I wish that it didn't happen, but in a lot of ways, it changed me and forced me to change into the kind of person who could handle a company of that size by themselves, you know, and become that person and change our company. Because we fundamentally changed the way we did business within the years afterwards. And it was because sometimes in life, you get forced into reevaluating things. It wasn't something that if we had kept on the same path, we probably would have changed, you know? So um, it was a traumatic experience, but, you know, like I said, there's a, there's some positive that came out of it. Yeah. What are the things that you did have to change after his passing? If they stick in your mind still, like, what did you have to address first? Yeah, I think, um, you know, number one, it was, um, although I dealt internally with a lot of operations and, and our relationship with our, our employees was, it was much more of a top-down uh, military type of relationship with, hey, we're in charge. We come up with the ideas and the orders, go implement them, you know. And part of that forced me to realize that, you know what, I can't do this by myself. I can't be this dictator and um, and run this company that way. So I started changing about how I dealt with our employees 
And we became much more of a, and this took a few years, it wasn't right away, sure. but became much more of, of a, almost of a family. You know, I have now the average employee at our company has a tenure of seven years. So, you know, when it used to be, we'd burn through people every year and a half, you know, the, and it was because of the way we managed. And it was because of the situation that, that made me realize that we needed to change as a company. And it also, it changed my philosophy as, as um, a business owner as well. Uh, you know, one of the other things that came about with that for many years, and this is kind of embarrassing to admit at this point, but, you know, I, I looked at our clients largely as what they could do for us, you know, in the sense that they were kind of numbers, you know, they provided the revenue and we gave them a good service. And we thought, well, Hey, you know, why aren't you get, why are you complaining? You're getting a great deal here. You know, what's that? And, um, I never really took the the philosophy of that their needs should be first and we should be focusing on serving them. It was sort of a transactional relationship. And my business partner was much more of a um, touchy-feely kind of person, I guess, if you will. It wasn't, that's why we balanced well, because I was the, you know, kind of the hardcore military, you know, black and white, you know, kind of thing. And, and he was much different. And um, I remember very distinctly coming back. I was on vacation the week prior to that and came back. And uh, it was the day after that, that he had passed away. And so I never got to talk to him. But I remember on that vacation, I read a book about uh, client service and focusing on clients. And I thought, you know what? I've been wrong all these years. I owe him an apology. And unfortunately, I never got to give that apology. But but it really, that idea and, and that uh, situation forced us to change the kind of company we are. And, you know, and this is what, six plus years later now, and uh, we have completely revolutionized our relationship with our clients and how we do business and everything. And so again, it's one of those things that it took a, a tragic situation, but actually turned into not for me just personally, but, you know, for our company, and our clients as a whole. Yeah. So, wow, that's powerful. I mean, that there's so much there to unpack. Do you find it hard because you you know you've kind of been indoctrinated in this kind of military top-down system? Mm-hmm. How do you go through that change? Because even many of us who have never been in the military, very much our, our inclination, especially I think earlier in our careers, unless we have good mentoring, are thinking like, you know, hey, the, do this, do that, do this. And and especially as owners, we've never really taken business management training. And that by your own admission, it's like it doesn't really always work. People, you have high turnover. It doesn't feel like people are connected on the same page. How did you have this? Was it just out of sheer, I have to do this or else I, I, you know, I don't have someone to lean on? Or I mean, how did you have that transformation? Yeah, you know, uh, and it's a good question. And I think the, you know, it's a couple things. I, I think that you, you know, you're forced into it to an extent but a lot of it is ego. And, you know, I hate to admit that because it's kind of embarrassing, but but I, I see it with some of our clients, you know, when we have when we actually get down to it, you know, the, the deep, you know, it's like, why do we have problems delegating things, you know? Well, it's because we think we can do it better than anybody else. And it's it's good because we have that type A personality that wants to achieve, wants to do things, want things perfect. But sometimes our ego gets in the way of realizing that, you know, this is this is a team type of thing. This is uh, it's just like any good sports team that the best ones are the ones that are not focused on themselves and are focused on the team as a whole. And that includes, you know, everyone from the quarterback, you know, on a football team to, you know, the lineman, everybody else. And so when you're the leader, um, you've got to get your ego out of the way and realize that, you know, somebody who from an economic perspective and, you know, in their status and everything, 
you know, the receptionist may have ideas that are just as valuable or even more valuable than, than an executive who's been there for years. Um, we, uh, as an example, we had a gal that she no longer works for us, but um, at the time, a receptionist that um, when we started having these meetings where we involved the the uh, employees in the, the direction of the company, she came up with a couple of ideas that some of the 40-year-olds were like, wow, where, you know, when did everyone have thought of that? So valuing other people and starting to see that value, I think, helped me change as a person, helped me to be realize, you know what, I may think I know all the answers, <laughs> I may, you know, want to just go do it, but life doesn't work that way. You know, we're all connected, we're all so critical. And, and I'm a big believer that as human beings, we're all equal, you know, in our value and everything. So regardless of what our particular position is. And so, so I had to learn that lesson. I had to learn the importance of the people side of business, which, you know, I didn't as a young man and, and even later, I didn't realize how critical that part is because I am a big believer in, anyway in, in owning a business that the, the biggest asset we have is our people. You know, from maybe from an outsider investor's perspective, it might be, you know, our, our client list or something. But from small business owners, you know, if something really bad happens and we get sued out of business, any number of things, you know, if we've got the right team in place, we can rebuild, we can do something. And so it was a lesson that I got forced into, but I also started to learn over time, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're kind of, the way you guys approach it, the way you approach it is going from this kind of operator mentality to this owner mentality, where the owner is truly being an owner. They don't just really have a job. Is there something in your own journey as you were going through the unfortunate passing of your partner, is there something like, is there a marker where you go, oh my gosh, I've now gone from operator to owner. Is there some type of marker or something that happened that really spoke to you and go, wow, this is what it should be like. Yeah, I, I can't think of a, a specific date, but there was a there was a time when I think I realized that I almost had to struggle. I thought, well, what do I do now? Because I literally got to the point where everything was handled, all the operational stuff, all the customer service, all the things. And I sat back and I go, I'm, I'm not needed. I want to get involved in this stuff that I'm used to. But as suddenly I realized that, um, wow, maybe I'm not as valuable as I thought, you know, no. And, and it, um, so it was that, that realization, I think over, it was probably over a period of months where I realized, you know what, I can, I could take off and go to Tahiti for three weeks. And I, I feel like this business would continue to thrive without me. And I feel a hundred percent confident in that the business is doing well and I'm not critical to it. And it was so, I think it was that realization, probably maybe about two years after that, that incident happened with my business partner. And so that was kind of the, the point where it occurred to me that I'd made that transition in my mind to owner, you know, because, you know, we, we call ourselves business owners, but in a lot, let's face it, a lot of us just bought ourselves a job, you know, we're, yeah. uh, we're an employee who happens to own hundred percent of the company. You know, I was that for many years, you know, I can certainly relate with. And, I, and I've and i seen that in our clients a lot. And so that's kind of my focus these days is trying to help other business owners with that same concept to make that transition. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. 
Think life, think success, think business. I can certainly relate with, and, I, and I've seen that in our clients a lot. And so that's kind of my focus these days is trying to help other business owners with that same concept to make that transition. Very cool. Hey, I want to uh, shift gears and kind of make a, a sharp right turn here. I want to get, before we wrap up, I want to talk about cold calling. I know that's a, an area that you have some expertise in. For those of us, business owners, salespeople, whoever have to do it, it's a challenging area oftentimes for people. So what I'd love to talk about is maybe your first experiences with cold calling, maybe even your first call. And then I kind of want to go through that in terms of a little bit deeper questions on that. So what, when did you start call, calling? What was like your first call like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, boy, I'm trying to think of what, <laughs> it would have been 1996, maybe. Wow, a little time ago. And uh, of course, this was, uh, you know, I mean, the internet was a new thing and everything. So there was no real internet marketing. So it's like, what did you either advertised in print or, uh, you know, or you picked up the phone. And my first job was actually commercial real estate. And it's all commissioned. So, uh, you know, it was very much a cold calling in person, cold calling over the phone. And I can't say I remember the first phone call, but um, but I do remember those early days. And they were pretty brutal. You know, I I, I don't have recordings of it, and I'm glad I don't. <laughs> but uh, I've, I have always been a big believer, and maybe it comes from the military thing, but uh, in sort of that, um, uh, what the, if you think about it from a, from a military strategy standpoint, the Soviet Union was always of the philosophy of we're just going to create massive amounts of troops and tanks and whatever and just flood, you know, whatever objective it was versus the Americans and the Western militaries tend to be more focused on quality, smaller units, um, you know, versus just throwing hordes at it. And at the time with cold calling, I kind of always took the attitude because I was scared of it. Uh, I was like, well, I'm just going to do the the Soviet version and uh, I'm going to throw <laughs> everything at it. So it was about work mentality and just do as many as I can possibly do. And that's kind of how I got started. And, you know, it's certainly preferred to actually get good at what you're doing. But, um, you know, when you when you start out, you just got to accept the fact that you're going to suck. You know, <laughs> you're going to sound horrible on the phone and that's OK. You're supposed to. Uh, it's like any skill in life. You know, sometimes we think that we need to jump on the bike and immediately know how to pedal and do everything else where, you know, cold calling is the same thing. You know, you just got to get on the phone and get the reps in. And eventually you realize one day, like, wow, I, you know, I closed so many sales today. That was, how did I do that? That was great. You know? And uh, so it's, it's like a lot of things in life. You got to jump into the pool. You know, you can't just dip your toe in and going through that process will, will change you as a person and make you better. So it's a, a you know, cold calling is, is not one of those things that, um, uh, that you can just pick up overnight, so to speak, and, and you shouldn't expect that. Right. What do you think, where does cold calling stand in terms of today, let's say versus the 1990s? I mean, is it still something small business owners should be out cold calling and reaching out to people? What, what's your thoughts? I mean, with the, the age of technology and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, I've um, talked about this on several uh, digital marketing shows because this is a, you know, I mean, it's a very valid question, you know, and I would say certainly, the old days, so to speak, uh, you know, back in the 90s, where you still had consumer-based residential cold calling, and it was a legitimate, you know, thing to do. But um, that is completely gone. And as you know, you know, if you ever get a call these days, it's usually some kind of scam or, or whatever. You know, it's not. So uh, what I'm talking about is not res residential, consumer-based. So just first of all, sure. let's uh, clear that up. But really, it, it cold calling is like any form of marketing. 
everything works sometimes, and but most things for our businesses as small business owners are not going to work for a business. You know, it's the key is finding those few strategies that do work and putting all of our resources into that. So cold calling works in specific incidences. If you're selling a $27 widget, you know, that's that's something you want to do online, obviously, because the volume and everything else, it doesn't make sense. But if you're selling a hundred thousand dollar CRM system, you know, to uh, Fortune 500 companies, cold calling, you know, can certainly work because they're not, most of those executives are not responding to an email marketing, you know, or they're not looking at social media on Facebook to figure out, you know, what kind of, where could I spend my $100,000? Let me click here, you know, and it's because that personal touch. So cold calling uh, certainly works for the right industries and it works in, in B2B, I think is its best area. And it tends to work on higher ticket items as well. So if you're doing it in the in the right market, uh, it can definitely be effective. You've got to make sure you're in that right market. And the only way to know is to test it, you know, I mean, other than the obvious stuff. But it's in it like anything, I think, even with digital marketing, you know, I think one of the problems that uh, business owners and the mistakes they make, because I know I've done it plenty of times, is judging things based upon outcomes that are way too short term. You know, I'm going to run Facebook ads for two weeks, you know, you know, and it's like, well, you know, it may take two months of trial and error and doing different things to figure out what's working, what isn't. Uh, Same thing with cold calling or any other marketing system. So, you know, not to avoid the answer, but like any uh, good lawyer would say, uh, it depends. So uh, (laughs) it it depends on your situation, you know, uh, but it, it does a very valuable, you know, and viable strategy. We've you know, our company, um, we didn't really talk about it, but our company was founded on cold calling. And, you know, I was looking at it the other day and I think, you know, in our time, we probably made probably 40 million cold calls, you know, during that that last 20 years or so. And uh, we've got clients that have been with us for 16, 17 years. So, uh, it, you know, it's kind of a hint. Yes, it does work. And, you know, you've just got to like anything else. You've got to find the right situation, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and what I found is, is cold calling is a great complement to some internet mediums. So like mm-hmm. whether it be LinkedIn or what, you know, other email or whatever, cold calling kind of brings the human side in addition to some of those, those internet-based mediums. Yeah. So you kind of could even use it in conjunction. You know, the common thing you get a lot of times is fear. People have fear of cold calling, the anxiety from making the calls. Mm-hmm. How did, did you have that and how did you deal with it? And what are, what are your thoughts around people that do have fear or anxiety from cold calling? Absolutely had that fear. And, uh, you know, it took quite a while to get over that, you know, the, the fear of the phone. If, in my opinion, if you're, you're not a human, if you're not, if you're not a little nervous about it, you know, and, uh, you know, there's, uh, it really is a mental game. As I think it's pretty obvious to, you know, to all of us that, you know, you've got to get your mind right um, to be able to do it. Uh, it's not just about taking abuse, although, you know, when you cold call, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of crazy people in this world and you're going to run into some of them if you talk to them, you know, enough people. But there's things you can do to help keep your mental focus, you know, like one technique that really helped me early on. Uh, I remember a, a sales trainer talked to us about, you know, if you come into the morning, you've got to make an hour of cold calls that day. You decide that's what you want to do. Don't do it at the end of the day or the middle of the day. When you walk into the office in the morning or walk into your home office, whatever it is, don't look at uh, your email. Don't check social media. Don't listen to your voicemails. Don't do any of that stuff anything that could potentially have any kind of negativity or whatever and jump on that first phone call. And that first phone call is always the hardest. 
if you can get yourself to pick up that phone that first time, that's a little bit. The second one is a little bit easier. And the third one's easier than that. And it's also a mentality of, uh, and this is sales in general, that if we focus on the people that are actually looking for us that need us, uh, and we focus on their needs, which we, you know I was talking about how I had that backwards for many years. If we look at it in the sense that there's somebody on that list that we're calling that is waiting for us to call, they need what we have to offer. And so if we fail to get through all the other people and do go through that process, we're leaving that person hanging. And they were kind of, in a sense, kind of, you know, doing them a disservice by not getting through those other calls. So if we focus on the need of the person that's that are waiting for us, it makes it a little bit easier to pick up that phone because, you know, that person is, is uh, waiting there for you on the other end. And we just got to get wade through the, the numbers to get to them, you know. So I think it's there's a variety of stuff, but those are the kind of some of the things that have helped me over the years, you know. That's good stuff. I like that. I want to shift gears again. I want to talk about as I wrap up, I've got two questions I always love to ask. One is, is there a business tip that you can give us something that you've learned in your journey that you could summarize for us? Maybe summarize something you've already said or a tip that we haven't talked about that the audience could use and apply? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, somebody asked me this the other day, you know, what would be the number one tip I'd give other, you know, the me of 10 years ago, if you will. And I think it's something that I discovered after that process with my business partner and it's uh, it's a habit I can't, I call it owner time, and it's it's basically this idea that we're so caught up in our day to day doing tasks in our business, you know, that uh, it's very hard to focus on the bigger picture things like growing our company, the direction we're going on, the large strategy, the big picture owner type of mentality things. And so, you know, we can I've done that where I'm I set all these goals, and six months later I wake up and I'm like I didn't do any of them because I didn't you know. And it becomes, so I developed this thing I call owner time, which is I personally do it for an hour a day. And it was difficult when I started, but basically I spent an hour, I took a half an hour and I literally go into, I've been an empty office that I sit down with a pen and a piece of paper. And I think about what's going on in the business. I think about, okay, where are we now? And, and what kind of company are we trying to be? I mean, no questions like that. And the more you do it, the more questions that come up. And that's where you get the time to focus on that. But if you don't sit down specifically without distraction and do that, it's very difficult to move the needle in your company because it's just, we're just too busy. We've just got too much to do. And if we don't schedule time, so I, like I do it first thing in the morning, just like cold calling. So when I first get to the office, I spend that 30 minutes doing that. And then the, I mentioned it was an hour. And then the other half of that, I spend 30 minutes doing some type of learning thing, reading a book, listening to videos, whatever, something that's going to enhance my skill set as a business owner. Because again, it's like, yeah, I should read that book. You know, I should listen to that video. I should, you know, I need some help in marketing. I need to get better at that, but we never do it. But if we schedule time and discipline ourselves, and it's very hard at the beginning, I'm not going to lie. When you first start doing it, you know, it's difficult. So I would encourage people figure out, you know, start off, spend an hour a week, you know, do a do 30 minutes of thinking about your business with no distractions, do 30 minutes of learning something. And then, you know, week two, add to that, you know, two hours, but schedule it on your schedule somewhere so you can't get out of it. And that's one of the biggest things that have impacted me, I'd say the last five, six years. Uh, and again, that all came out of that, that situation, but use that owner time because that's the only real way you're going to make quick progress in your business, in my opinion. 
Yeah, that's a great one. You know, one thing someone had mentioned to me once, the exact same thing, except for their thought process was you should do it off-site, meaning like, you know, have a location where nobody can interrupt you and you're just away from the your normal grind. Some people, uh, you know, their mind tends to get more free if they're away from the grind. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah. You know, and I, I didn't mention that. And this all came originally. I mentioned early on that uh, I had gone off to Tahoe for a couple of days, mm-hmm. uh, booked a hotel, and it was for me to figure out what to do. I'm going to sell the business or whatever, but I did exactly that. And I, I do it once a quarter. Sounds funny, but me personally, I get distracted easily. My wife and children love to distract me, so I can't just do this at the office. So I literally take two days and I book myself into a hotel that's far enough away that I can't go home easily. I, I mean, I could in an emergency, but I, I can't really go home and, uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be fancy, but I literally do the same exact uh, thing uh, as I'm talking about with the, the thinking, the owner time, but I do it for like two days straight. And I just sit there with a pen and paper and do that because of that isolation feels very, very weird. It's it, but it gets you out of the environment. It mentally, it sort of breaks that pattern mentally instead of being in front of the computer at your office or wherever you are, uh, gets you out of your, your familiar environment. And it allows you to have some of those, to think about some of those bigger picture type of uh, items that you wouldn't necessarily have time to think about. So yeah, I absolutely, I do it once a quarter is my, you know, cadence or whatever, but, and I do it with a hotel. I mean, some people might be, you know, go hiking or camping or something. It's just, you know, my idea of um, uh, too much in the army, too many sleeping out in the, <laughs> in the rain, you know, so a, a nice hotel is how I do it. But yeah, absolutely. I highly recommend that. Very cool. Hey, and then my last question, you mentioned you like to read. Is there a book or a podcast or a show, something that either you've you know recently watched or maybe even in the past that you could share with us, something that we might be able to uh, get some some benefit from that you've, you've read and enjoyed? Yeah, and, uh, great question, by the way. I've never had anybody ask that, but um, uh, I love that. I would say, uh, you know, it's been maybe a year or two since I read it last. I've read it several times, but uh, there's a great book called The Road Less Stupid uh, is the title. And it's uh, by a guy named Keith Cunningham, who I originally saw at a Tony Robbins business event many years ago. And the book is, um, you know, as you could tell from the title, it's not, you know, he's got a, a certain character to it, you know, but it's one of those books that is, um, it's a business book and it's written, each chapter is kind of self-contained. So you can kind of jump around. It's basically business lessons that he's learned over life. And it's something that I actually give to every one of our new clients because I'm such a big believer in it. Um, so I, I would check that out. It's uh, again, it's um, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham, one of my favorite books. That's a great one. I'll put it in the show notes at thinktyler.com. Well, Robert, it's been awesome. Your website, your business website is totalbusinessresults.com. And I'll put that in the show notes too at thinktyler.com. Is there anything you want to share with us a little bit about uh, your your business, uh, totalbusinessresults.com? Anything we can know? Anything reasons people should should go there and check it out? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I was going to say, uh, if you have further questions or, or want to talk about your situation, I'd be happy to, to speak with anybody in your audience, you know. Um, do a, a short consult or something. Uh, you can actually have another domain. Um, you know, you can email me at robert at owner.operator.net is the email on that. And uh, we can set up a time to chat. But, you know, our company told business results. If you go there, it shows a lot of different things we do, but it's basically centered around knowledge, teaching, business coaching, uh, and then implementation services. We do social media management and um, advertising 
all that good stuff along with the B2B uh, cold calling and everything as well. So, but like I said, I'd be more than happy to talk to you personally, one-on-one. Uh, that's the things I, I love in life is uh, spending time with other small business owners. So uh, feel free to reach out. And then just to clarify, Robert, you said Robert at owneroperator.net. Is that your email address? It's operator to owner.net. <laughs> that makes more sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Operator to owner. I don't think we want to go backwards. Okay. So I will um, operator to owner. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. And that email address is okay to put into, and is 2TO or the number two? Uh, TO. Yeah. T-O. Okay. And then, okay, if I put that in the show notes, your email yeah. address to people want to reach out. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, hey, thanks so much, man, for your time. You had a fun story to listen to, plus you had a lot of uh, good wisdom and advice to share. So I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Thank you, Tyler. This was enjoyable. Okay. Have a great one. Take care. You too. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. DC, I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric Acid. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.